Good afternoon, good evening. Um, namaste, like we said, it's lovely. We had a guest from India today on the on the podcast. Um, the intro is recorded a little bit later. Uh, I think Cash just came from his fifth Christmas party with some data center people. Um, Cash, what would you say? Uh, is what well, Sunil was on your on your top list of guests, huh? Well, Sunil, I like to affectionately refer to as the data center man of India. He is the Sachin Tandoka of the of the data center world. Uh, he's built and operated over 15 plus DCs, four hyperscales, uh, 300 megawatts during FY14 to 19. And I think you affectionately referred to him as what? I call him the Maharaja of data centers. <laughs> <laughs> A worthy title. A worthy title, and um, I don't think we need to say much more in the intro, so um, we hope that you guys enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> Good afternoon, good morning, um, namaste, I think is how you guys would say it over there in um, lovely Mumbai or Bombay or um, Mother India, how you would like to call it as well. And I'm, I'm very happy to have a good friend of cash with us here on the podcast, um, Sunil Gupta, welcome from Yota. How are you? Quite good, Paul. Thank you very much for having me here. Hi, Carl. Yeah, Cash Cash was super excited. Um, I, I should have pressed maybe the recording button a little bit earlier because we started talking about butter chicken and dosas and some um, <laughs> some some lovely food. And Cash was telling everybody about his experience living in Bangalore. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, um, India is one of my favorite places. I've been I don't know a couple over a hundred times at least, and I've explored all of it, in, including the Himachals, uh, which is up north uh, where the Dalai Lama lives. So. Um, yeah, it was was quite a great experience. Um, so Sunil, um, the, Cash said, Cash said, um, you're the data center king of India, and um, you, you're going, you, 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 you're going, you, you're going for the the emperorship of Asia. So um, then we said, well, with the uptime punks, uh, this is the kind of a person we need here. We need to we need to hear. Um, what you guys do because you guys do a lot of great work over there and uh, also um, what inspired you to do all of these things. But to start with, we always have our um, usual questions for our guests so people can guess sort of your age category and then also um, your background. Right. So to get it fired off with, um, do you remember what was your first mobile phone? Yeah, possibly it was a Nokia. I don't remember the model. It used to be those basic phones, which, uh, you know, at best were giving you a facility of SMS and nothing else. So I think it was yeah. a Nokia phone. Okay. And do you remember your first experience of computers? Yeah, I think it was somewhere around 95 something. It was at that time, you know, uh, you used to get a computer assembled. There used to be a whole lot of gray market in India. You can never afford a branded compact at that time, compact or HP or a Wipro computer. So you used to get go to gray market, get everything assembled and use it. I was so used to be so because in engineering, we had learned those at that time, WordStar and DBase and Lotus 1, 2, 3, those type of packages. So I was very excited to do it at home and try to learn myself. So that was way back in 96. So this means you come actually when your first experience of computer was coding then. So you yes. know how, do, do, do you know how to code then? A uh, little bit, little bit. Whatever I, I learned in engineering, I did that. But <laughs> after that, uh, you know, my job never allowed me to do coding. I got into business and numbers and whole lot of, you know, telecom and data center stuff. But I can do a little bit of coding even now. Yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised because we had a couple of guests. They they got were well, not bored, but they I, I think they had to deal with a lot of stress during lockdown, so they got themselves some coding machines back home to see if they if they still can't have do it. That. I can't compete with them for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, what what would you say during during lockdown? Um, because you guys had a lockdown in India as well, and um, what would you say you have discovered as a sort of like a gadget, um, which kept you a little bit uh, your sanity and became came like your favorite toy during uh, the COVID lockdown. When you look down 10 years back, you will say, ah, this is what I got myself during lockdown and I still have it. I don't know whether it's discovery of lockdown or not, but uh, I'm typically a person who will like uh, maybe from seven in the morning to nine in the evening, I'm on my laptop all the time. You know? So whether it is your <laughs> office work or whether it's your personal work, you, I mean, your laptop or your mobile becomes your favorite gadget. 
uh yeah i discovered uh, a lot of gadgets which can help me in doing some work which my wife uh, asked me to do which otherwise i was very happy not doing it because i used to be in office but now he was stuck at home the so wife obviously allocated some work to you uh but one thing which obviously has been a favorite for last couple of years and still now is a karaoke mic so i have got i'm like a amateur sort of a singer we have a jamming sessions uh, you know every month uh, with a with a group of some 40 50 people who are all amateurish singers so i in my home i have got all type of amplifiers and mixers and you know karaoke mics and apps of all types and i just keep on experimenting with them so during lockdown especially when you had so much of time to spend so you can't meet physically as a group but uh, what we discovered was okay can we experiment with singing uh, right when you are into online sessions so so it was a great fun actually even till now there's a great fun we do it every sunday with our within our group What's your go-to uh, karaoke song, Sunil? What's your uh, <laughs> top of the hit list? You want, the, the you hit want, list? We want to uh, be able to understand uh, Kash because these are all like Hindi songs. These are like typical in India. There's a huge film industry called Bollywood, and we all are like uh, Hindi fans. And within Hindi, there are like various genres of songs. So I'm a typical guy who loves old Hindi songs, classical Hindi songs with guzzles. You know, uh, so so I I'm a typically that type of. <laughs> So, 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 Paul, do you think we could get an invite to one of uh, Sunil's Sunday sessions? <laughs> well, well, actually, the thing is, when he said these songs, I was imagining this, 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 these old like Shah Rukh Khan movies where yeah, he's like yeah. coming on a motorbike and he starts dancing behind the yeah. tree with the girl and yeah, everything. And I see Sunil there with a microphone, yeah. starting yeah, singing But but Sonal, it's your lucky day because it's Christmas time. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to ask you to sing your favorite Christmas song. So um, yeah, that's the right time when you will be asking everybody to run away from the conference, and you also will like, run away, <laughs> and everybody will run away by default. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So um, how for you working in the data center industry? How how would you define for yourself the term uptime? What is uptime to you in a personal life as well in a professional life? I think uptime means where uh, uh, you know, as per the classical definition, everything is up hundred percent of the time. You cannot afford any type of a downtime, even for a single second. Uh, you know, come what may. When I say come what may, it means it can be some sort of a natural disaster. it can be some sort of a man made disaster which can be like crowd coming in or some some sort of a curfew coming in or it may be some other eventuality which is man made a fire can be a man made disaster right so especially in the context of data centers as we know it becomes extremely important a single small downtime of a few seconds can play havoc with the economy of the country and actually as india we have faced that just couple of days back where one bank went down simply because the power in the data center where they were hosted uh, you know maybe it just went off for a few minutes but the bank was down for almost 13 13 hours and that is the happens to be the largest bank in india so we all can just understand the implications of in case you have a downtime even for few second but more important than this definition what i uh, feel paul is you might have uptime for last 15 years of 100% maybe because you were having a good infrastructure good design and a good operating practice but if you're dependent on good operating practice which is dependent on people or dependent on good design because people were manning it nicely and they were good people i think there's a risk your design itself and your execution itself should be so resilient and so redundant that it become what we call as a donkey proof it don't not dependent on people doing something or not doing something it has to be so much resilient that system take care of itself without people doing any intervention because that is where you can always have some errors or some chances of people goofing up and that also by default means a whole lot of automation where system and of course in the past we had some automation of various types the the dcim and bms systems but going forward we have a lot of ai ml implementations coming in where system can keep on detecting what is the health of the machine and based on that you can take a lot of proactive steps upfront before something wrong happens so i would say ultimate definition of uptime turns out to be a fully automated self sustaining design and execution and uh, which results into happiness and peace of mind at the end of for the end customer that's what my definition is if you are happy your employees are happy who are not facing a little stress in maintaining data center and ultimately resulting into your customer being feeling assured that is uptime So, wow, it's a, Sunil, it's a great the, the bank that went down. I just want to dial back for a moment because that was kind of big news in in India, right? It was HDFC Bank had a an unexpected uh, outage. 
of one of their data centers and you know impacted their services and i know you you spoke about this about agile banking so what can banks do then to to look at data centers strategically so they can have that 100% uptime or innovate without ever going down. What what your kind of thoughts on or advice to the banking sector there? I think uh, uh, so, 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 so to be very fair to everybody that people are very, very discreet when they select their data center operator. There are people who possibly might have gone for their own captive data centers way back because people are running data centers for 20 years. So they might have gone for their own captive data centers. And with time, uh, you have to refresh and you have to keep on seeing whether that infrastructure design you put it into that data center way back is it good enough will it sustain you in future as well or not and whether you should maybe trying to 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 refurbish that or you should it's time to move that because in future that may not be helping you in your scale and in terms of the type of uptime your customers are expecting the type of growth you're expecting the type of power density you're expecting but what you wanted in 20 years back and what you want now is very very different that is one but again as i said to be very fair to to almost all the players in the banking sector they all have evaluated they have got very deep evaluation exercises of their data center operator most of them are hosted in third-party data centers, good quality data centers and they do go through all these exercises of seeing the redundancies of electrical systems cooling system physical security you know the type of operating governance you have and all example possibly in this case or many other cases can be that there can always be some unfortunate instances which is the case in this case also that you're stuck with the operator which as a company is not doing good the company is going down so naturally resulting into many of the employees getting there's the exodus of employees or maybe there is a infrastructure not being maintained to the best level it possible and uh, even despite best of the efforts of the customers and the banks you know migrating a infrastructure is not easy while the bank may be trying to migrate out to a much better data center because this data center seems to be not working good but even I have seen a customer with two or five racks itself takes six months of planning to migrate out. Just imagine a bank which has got a huge infrastructure of 600 plus racks with four to five megawatt of infrastructure with maybe 300 plus lease lines or MPLS lines terminating. What type of effort it will take to migrate out without even having any single downtime. So that is where the challenge has come up. I'm sure the bank is doing everything possible to do the best possible to continue running and also to go to a much better quality data center in times to come hmm. and of course of course in yeah. terms of uh, your question of what uh, maybe is my recommendation of course uh, as i said uh, uh, maybe the uptime is no compromise so any and every evaluation you have to do to see what is the uptime that is paramount while obviously we talk about cost efficiencies we talk about uh, you know PUE efficiency we talk about many other things when we talk about data center but if I have to rate one two three the first parameter is uptime as I said even a single second of downtime can play havoc to your business it can play havoc to the economy of the country if one large bank goes down for example second of course comes out uh, that what is the scalability because the type of businesses we are in in India for example you might know that many of the public sector banks now have got merged together to form four or five large global size banks the moment you start talking about those type of consolidations suddenly you will find that and the purpose of consolidation is that you are able to optimize your cost you are able to optimize your infrastructure it means those four or five banks which might be hosted in different data centers now their it team will try to consolidate them at one place try to you know bring new technology refresh the technology and all and each of the banks in india are growing crazily in terms of the number mm -hmm. of Thus, also in terms of number of branches, number of ATMs, trying to get more and more users to have more and more payment channels, you know, because digital banking is taking shape and and you are and, and you will try to bring in more and more digital experience to users, which means what scale your data center will take in times to come. Even banks might not know. Right. So after uptime, the second biggest evaluation criteria becomes can I be in this data center for next 15 years without having a problem of scalability when I need more capacity in terms of space, in terms of power, in terms of fiber, in terms of everything else. And of course, the third and a very important criteria comes out in terms of efficiency, because we all know data centers are power guzzlers, uh, both in terms of main power as well as in terms of the cooling power. So how efficient the data center is in terms of design operating practices, whether it is also using not only the cheapest power, also the greenest power and whether they have got the best of the cooling efficiency. Those are the things that people need to look out for. 
Um, a very interesting point and a point which is very close to our heart is, um, and, and I love that you mentioned it, the, the green the green power. Do you, do you guys try to focus a lot on this in India as well in terms of uh, trying to uh, use green power to operate the data centers? Is it part of your main focus? Yes, yes Paul. So that is something which is gradually coming in. And just to give you a perspective that uh, as of now, I would say this real growth of data center infrastructure in India is starting now. While the industry is there since 2000, but the industry was small, it was more of an enterprise workload, the hyperscaler was not there, the cloud phenomena was not there, the OTT phenomena was not there because that has started coming in the last four or five years. So it used to be like a good six megawatt data center, it used to be quite a big data center. And uh, that used to be the time till 2014-15. And because of size and scale, the whole of Indian data center industry till date even, despite quite a growth in the last four or five years, is just about 400 megawatt, right? While if we try to see various calculations, the extrapolations of what is happening in the, I would say, much more developed worlds like Europe or Singapore or Australia or Japan or US or whatever, India possibly need, uh, you know, at least three to four times capacity compared to this. You know, if we, we take a much bigger shot, it I think is 15 times more. That's what I'm recording saying. But even if I take a very, very minimum conservative estimate, India needs four or five times more capacity in the next five years itself. And that is why there's so much of excitement also in India about this sector per se. Now, the moment you start reaching, so today we are dealing with more with how do we big make the highest quality data centers meeting the requirements of hyperscalers because they are the ones who are the biggest customers nowadays. So in terms of quality, in terms of design, in terms of operating practices, governance, power, you get reliable power. That is more important. The, the, the type of power, the how much green the power is, these are the elements which are started coming now because once you need to have a highest quality scalability and uh, assured power, then the second question comes that, okay, now I start focusing on is your building very efficient in terms of cooling? And second is, are you not only getting the power, but are you getting green power? So what is happening now? And, and the way in Singapore it has happened that, uh, you know, like the 3% of the total power um, consumed by Singapore is just in data center and expected to go to 10%. That's what I heard. Uh, and that is why there's a freeze on data center construction in Singapore now, I think, till 2021. I, uh, I think maybe taking a cue from there, uh, these are the things which are coming up in the uh, in the in the I would say the thoughts of the policy makers already so in India because of the attention with the sector is getting there's a whole lot of debate all the industry players through various associations also are reaching out to government government is very very supportive they understand the meaning of digital India so there's a data center policy which is getting framed at a federal government level and in that policy right from what type of incentives to be given to the sector in terms of land and government taxes and duties to how do they facilitate a single window clearance which is a big pain in india we all know in terms of approvals and all and how do you incentivize the data center operators to go for open access uh, you know power arrangements they can produce their own power or even if they have an arrangement with somebody else how do they incentivize people to use more of green power so these things are coming up gradually solar power plant are being created in remote areas people will feed into the grid and take it uh, at their place of consumption uh, we as yota are focusing quite big because in, in our group we have a group company which is into gas in a big way so we are trying to create our own power with our own natural gas uh, right next to data center because that will bypass the grid altogether so i can have a whole lot of savings there uh, uh, you know and and uh, not only me but others like we are we are creating a solar power plant um, people are also making arrangements with wind power plants and thankfully india being close to equator uh, you have got ample amount of sun available you get ample amount of wind available so those options are being discussed now yeah, and are you seeing a big shift? Um, because historically, the the grid's been reliant on on coal, um, you know, which was the big power source, and there there definitely seems to be a growth of solar power plants. Um, particularly in in some of the larger uh, cities, coal is still the the main source. But renewable energy aside, are, are there ways that the data center industry in India can improve on energy efficiency? What's the the path to going going greener uh, as you're seeing it, Sunil? Yeah, so there are two things. Uh, there are two questions. One is obviously uh, the type of power you use. And second is how do you make yourself efficient in terms of the total power intake you take? Right? These are the two questions which I think everybody in data centers, uh, you know, talk about. So so the first part, uh, uh, as you said, is that uh, so 
one is right on the utility itself the government has mandated now across india now that x percentage of the power which you distribute has to be from greener sources so it is not the data center provider right the utility providers also now are gradually being mandated by governments by the regulatory commissions who govern these utility providers that you have to have let's say 25% i think right now in the state in which mumbai is it's the mandatory that 25% or something of your power as utility provider has to be from alternate green sources which typically can be solar or wind right as on today as the most viable option because they are plenty in india uh so that itself make uh, as a consumer i by default get a share of that uh, green power by default you know so that there is no full dependence on thermal power but the second which government has facilitated is that any consumer which is consuming more than 1 megawatt of power can directly go in the market have a arrangement called open access arrangement and procure power not from utility but from any private producer that is where the maximum i would say the uh the, the the you know uh, the dealing deals are happening in india where there are private power producers who will have ample land parcels like in solar for data center you can't use a rooftop a rooftop will generate just about some 100 kilowatt of power which can be good for your office lighting but not required for data centers so you need to have very very huge land parcels you know the type which for example my group have because my group is big time into real estate so they have big land parcels in remote areas which got ample amount of uh, you know sun availability or wind availability so you generate there enter into long term captive long term arrangement with these producers that okay i'll consume your power at uh, for 25 years and all and this will be the cost profile and all the good part is why it was not there earlier why it's happening now because with time the efficiency of the solar panels for example is improving continuously and also their longevity is increasing the maintenance cost is coming down the cost of the panels itself is coming down big time so suddenly these these uh, so the delta the in terms of not only becoming green but the delta of what is the cost you are getting from a standard utility versus what is the cost you will get uh, uh, in case you are able to enter into a, a captive solar arrangement the delta is increasing which you can expect around 15% today even today as the today's cost the good part is this delta will keep on increasing the utility which is dependent on let's say a coal for example their cost mm. profile will keep on increasing you know because the you are still using a natural resource which is coal or things and there is a huge maintenance cost in running that up plant in case of solar and wind the good part is the input raw material is free it is sun or wind right so once you have invested the capex into that plant everything else is just a regular maintenance which is very well less so your cost profile remains same for next 25 years except for few maintenance cost your cost will remain the same so over a period of time the delta between what you get from utility which is based primarily on thermal or coal versus in case you have made arrangement with solar or or uh, even for that matter on hydrogen or or maybe or gas or wind your cost delta will keep on increasing and that will give you a much longer benefit in the long run to you obviously which gets passed on to your customer as well no i think it's 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 great how you guys are making such a faster progress um than some some of the european countries or even um um the 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 united states because um that the trump administration was uh, absolutely doing nothing in, in terms of carbon footprint and um now joe biden already did a pledge and uh, we had the with a guest susanna kass um she sits also on the united nation um board for these kind of things and uh, yeah she addressed it and 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 it's great really so that um india's taking a step forward and thinking already ahead uh, rather than dealing with the problem once it's really in your hands and um Yeah it, it it's it's just great to see a nation's planning ahead to saying okay we're going to grow the data center business it's going to grow it has to grow and this is how we're going to solve it and that just shows true leadership and innovation and that's that's a great thing but um to just for the listeners um because we jumped right into the topics um i wanted uh, you to give you a chance to introduce yourself a little bit and also that how you got involved with yota and how yota was founded and what's the history and the vision behind it yeah. if you could give yeah. us some some yeah. Some because we missed that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so to formally introduce myself, my name is Sunil Gupta, and I'm the co-founder and uh, CEO of a very young data center organization called uh, Yota. Uh, we just started this uh, this young organization just about 18 months back. Uh, I have been to the industry since '92, uh, so if you want to guess my age, you can. Uh, so, and uh, from late 99 to early 2000 that is when my data center journey started before that i was more into telecom and internet and email and those type of stuff 
uh, 9-2000 is something when between 2000 to 2010 I was heading this business for Reliance Communications which at that moment of time in the prime of the health and was almost having 60% market share it was a hugely running great business for Arcom and 2010 I joined NetMagic which acquired, got acquired by NTT so 2010 to just about uh, March 2019 I was uh, leading NetMagic and uh, uh, and and the, the background is in india like uh, uh, you know the data center business as i said uh, was going at a good pace it has seen uh, you know the dot com boom then dot com bust industry has seen that from a peak cycle of expectation to a cynic cycle where people said that dot com is like a myth and it's nothing so naturally the fortunes of data center also had gone down at that time but gradually people started realizing no digital is a real story um, you know uh, and and gradually mature models started coming in uh, july 2001 gave a big philip that people realized that hosting your captive data center in your own office is is not a good option you should rather go into some more robust and secure buildings and that i remember during those times lot of banks you know uh, you know who otherwise were absolutely no no for putting their setup anywhere else they started getting into co location and uh, in india so effectively data center story in real terms actually started with more of enterprises than dot coms or i would say e commerce companies and uh, during 2000 2010 i saw a lot of banks and gradually manufacturing companies and services companies started hosting in data centers and because the size and scale of the industry was not big every operator was giving a little bit of retail colo they were doing little bit of managed hosting shared hosting you know it management services everything we used to do because the overall size of industry was not very big in india so it was always a mixed bag for all of us uh, and this story continued and cloud came in every everybody's life in 2009 10 onwards and all our local operators including myself in that time you know we started making our own local clouds it was a huge success in india either we don't adopt a technology but once we adopt a technology we suddenly go like berserk with that it happened with computers it happened with mobiles and it happened with cloud also in india so cloud adoption among cios enterprise was a big success and uh, that was also the time 2009 10 onwards when it was not only cloud e-commerce the flipkarts and amazons of the world the snap deals of the world you had 3g migrating to 4g the broadband fiber was reaching people's home the overall economic the gdp of india was almost like 7 8% highest in the world at that time so all these things were parallelly happening in india and the adoption of payment channels digital card being uh, you know credit card people comfort to use it on the the online channels and all was increasing maybe that was the that was the mix of all the i would say market and technology drivers when cloud operators uh realize that if they have to serve this huge indian market in a big way they cannot do it from their grids uh, or or azs in hong kong or singapore they will have to necessarily come in india because there were some sector specific regulations like banking sector or a stock broking sector or a health sector there are clearly guidelines even today till today that you cannot host your data outside so that is the time around 2012 13 onwards i remember all the biggies cloud biggies started exploring india in a serious way first they came with their caching nodes or you know the 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 edge nodes and then they started discussing about putting their nodes in india and uh, i always call 2015 in india as a landmark year for data centers because that is the time when first large data center setup of two or three operators went live with the first hyperscaler coming and putting the node i mean just to give a perspective before 2014 if i'm making a 1000 rack data center with 6 megawatt and i used to sell it over 4 years i used to feel very very happy about it you know that was the scale of the business and suddenly 2015 i got the first customer who says okay can you give me 1000 rack with with let's say 6 megawatt of power it was like one customer practically satisfying my my 4 years of uh, you know uh, my my sales target so that was the shift industry took and after the first one the second hyperscaler came then third came within 6 months and then you know followed by even the chinese hyperscalers also suddenly the market exploded i think the providers were just not ready for this type of thing it was a demand on huge scalability it was a demand on huge quality difference demand on the type the way we go live with the multiple level of commissioning leading up to the level 5 commissioning demand of the type of power we bring in the type the way we get fiber everything changed drastically good part is that two or three operators were able to catch up to this they were able to meet this requirement they were able to build capacities meeting almost hyperscalers demand and we only improved with time maybe in first we little dithered a little bit here but the moment we by the time we delivered our second facilities we all improved like anything the last 4 years what india is making is 
just fantastic absolutely world class like the way you will see in any other mature world in every aspect right the challenge and that also is basically the origination of how the yotta concept came in is that once you start serving a hyperscaler right uh you he takes a capacity from you within one year he will exhaust that capacity if during that one year you will not stay silent and you will sell in the balance capacity of your building to somebody else and after one minute the, when the first hyperscaler come to you i guys i need one more capacity from you which is bigger than even my first capacity and you don't have the adjacent piece of land and to build more capacity you are stuck you are stuck as an operator because you can't do that business and obviously hyperscaler has got a bigger problem because he can't scale at that site this is the challenge which everybody is facing people are running helter skelter because they don't have big land parcels nobody visualize that we were making just one building even if a little reasonable size we were making just one building at one site and all around us there were other commercial residential or whatever buildings so what i could clearly see in my last latest 5 years having dealt with almost hyper all hyperscalers was time has come and especially the market dynamics in india are much much bigger thanks to our population and many other factors that the growth in india will be even much bigger than what possibly you see in many of the other world it possibly be of the scale the way you see in ashburn virginia and all so especially in a market like mumbai especially maybe others also but mainly in mumbai so you will have to have serious large players coming in who own the resources it's not only a matter of getting private equity operators who come with tons of money which is available for sure but the people who have got resources in terms of large land parcels who have got the ability to do the constructions uh, fastest the highest quality construction and who also have the ability to go through the maze of approvals and all the paraphernalia which goes into this multiple window approvals which is not very easy i've seen many many global operators who are coming into india for last 2 3 years are just struggling even to get a land acquisition or for that matter getting any approval before they can even start construction so it's not very easy unfortunately in india uh so so that is where the concept of yotta came hiran nandani who were the promoters of yotta were my uh, real estate partners in my previous company so they had built my data center so they were quite aware in the last 4 or 5 years what exactly the business is at least from core and shell perspective so the thought which came in my mind and it i think parallel it was running in their mind as well hiran nandani is that in case we are able to bring all the capabilities of a propco and a opco under one roof Uh, you know uh, hirandani's capabilities of having big land parcels and ability to do a construction highest quality construction they by the way are known for creating the best class urban townships so they are known for very luxurious and high quality townships and all so they are aware about what goes inside a construction they are aware about how to actually go through all these approvals and you know get things done and what sort of i was bringing in along with my entire design engineering team uh, who were who came along with me here in yota and of course all the operating team was the opco part which is the mep part of data center and of course the whole business dynamics of data center so if you are able to bring everything into a single roof you suddenly create a capability under single roof where right from land acquisitions to business planning to feasibilities to to approvals to doing your own design engineering to construction to mep to execution to operations and doing business everything comes under single roof and that actually shows up when when we said that we will only make campuses so in mumbai i am making a 18 acre campus five building 30000 racks same thing i am doing in chennai same thing i am doing in delhi delhi is a live example where in mumbai and chennai i had my own land parcel so it was pretty much you know a lot of things were done the moment you have land already right but in delhi i was not having any land right when the apostle came and I had to go through this again the capability of the group came into picture in two months which otherwise could have taken anybody a seven to eight months phenomena in two months i am able to get from the time i started inquiring about a land to the time i have got my all my permittings to start construction it has happened in two months right so my ability to use all these i would say uh, i would say different uh, capabilities of the group put together uh, and by the time i'm constructing my designs are ready my vendors are ready my tenders are ready to execute simply because these are the things which we have been doing and i'm not depending on any third party to do it it's all happening in house so these are the things which we are sort of bringing on the table in yota so complete propco part and the opco part under single roof and that is also resulting in me being able to start any project practically from the time of land available to me to going live to the customer in practically 15 months
Um, Sonal, I, I think it's also maybe a great tool in order to develop areas in India which are not that developed yet because you're speaking about space that's needed to build data centers and all these things and there's a lot of rural area which isn't that much developed yet. So um, do you see data centers will also be um, part of giving people employment and with infrastructures being built up and everything? And um, is it difficult for you guys to recruit people in India to operate your data centers? No, no, or do you have to bring in experts from abroad? So, no, 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 not much. Not at all. Not at all. So essentially in data centers, there are two categories of people. One are the people who are actually creating data centers, the project design engineering people and operate the people from a uh, the, from an electrical mechanical instrumentation point of view. So again, these are the people, not only the people who are in the industry, uh, but also because these are the people you get in plenty in the process industries. You know, somebody might be working in a 24% chemical plant. People, more, I have got people who have worked in the nuclear plants also, right? These type of industries in India are there for ages. And there are people who are used to working in shifts and uh, running very critical plants 24 into 7. And it's the almost same cooling system, same electrical systems. So uh, no problems at all in terms of the people who construct data centers or run data centers. But yes, the people who know how to design a data center as per the latest requirements of customers, that is obviously a little different animal compared to a maybe a chemical plant or any other plant. So naturally, that, those skills are rare. At the moment, almost every data center operator is dependent on some global you know, uh, engineering company because do, who, have, who might have run data, constructed, designed data centers abroad. Um, in my case, thankfully, I'm not because I have got even the design engineering in-house. But uh, but 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 uh, these global companies most of the time have got their India operations, India units. So most of the people are dependent on them. Or in case of a global operator trying to come into India, they already are tied up with these companies. In any case, in their respective companies. Uh, but yes, the IT part depends on whether you remain in a colo layer of a data center or whether you also want to go to the managed services layer, the cloud, the private cloud, hybrid cloud, and you know various IT services, data migration, and all that is where there always is a challenge although india is always known as a shop for the it people you know they we have been serving the rest of the world for ages into that but that is always a challenge having a good quality it people to run your it operations in data center when you're into managed services it's always a race because these people are always in demand from pure play it companies from cloud operators and of course for people like us so that is always a challenge but otherwise people is not a challenge uh, coming on your question on rural areas, so, uh, so so first is yes, data center create a lot of passive employment. It is not an active employment. Project phase, obviously, you end up getting almost seven, eight hundred people at the same time on your project site into the construction, um, and, and and you know almost twenty different technologies going to data center. So you obviously give a lot of employment during that time of construction. In operating phase, you know data centers are supposed to be self-running buildings, so you don't have many people who run data centers. In case you get into IT services, that is where a lot of people come in. You know. You you have then all the IT technologies, the operating systems and databases and clouds and hypervisors you come in. That's where you, you give it. Uh, remote areas, your question of remote areas, I think is still remote areas. Data center going to remote areas, a remote possibility. Uh, let me say it that way. Uh, because uh, uh, so beyond, uh, so when you try to take multiple checkpoints uh, before you construct a data center, and those checkpoints also include availability of highly redundant resilient fiber network which in india still is available majorly into metros only it has still not gone into the remote area if fiber has gone but it may not be as resilient as redundant and as high capacity as you would expect if you want to construct a very very uh, you know large data center with a lot of content uh, the power infrastructure might not be as as reliable plus the hyperscalers still want to go where majority of their users are. So they would like to be in a Mumbai, they would like to be in Delhi, they would like to be in Bangalore, Chennai, because majority of their users also stay in these cities. So today in India, at the moment, this phenomena is clearly a city phenomena. Um, uh, Mumbai, Bangalore, Chennai, uh, Delhi, uh, a little bit Hyderabad, a little bit Pune. That is where almost 90% of the industry is. Foreseeable future, I still see the growth of data centers happening in the periphery of these data centers only. You can't go into the main city because the land becomes costly. You don't get that big land parcels. I see them happening in the satellite towns of these cities. Uh, for remote areas like what we call as town B and town C, it will be more of an edge data center phenomena or, uh, you know, mainly, uh, you know, gradually you'll get into edge also. So it'll be more of an edge phenomena. Yeah, that's great. Um, who, who would you say from um, fr from the from the usual suspects is leading in terms of uh, providing the technology support that you need um, 
in India, would you say it's it's more Schneider, it's more um, ABB? Who would you say has the is the strongest player in the market? Um, um, this is probably also for me and Cash quite interesting because um, we, we run the data center world events. Yeah. So um, who, who, who would you say is like... And let me just add something to that as well, because one of the comments from the Uptime Institute, um, which you were certified for, for tier four for the um, uh, Mumbai facility, they, they actually said that you use very unconventional um, designs and it was quite a detailed... Uh, evaluation from all of the engineering and custom manufacturing of some of the elements. So I think what Paul and I want to know is who provided your electrical cooling control designs, right, Paul? <laughs> yeah. So no, 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 absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for uh, reading through those, uh, you know, comments <laughs> at that time because that is something which definitely is is, is a huge learning experience for all of us. It's the first time. Uh, you know, anybody in India went for that, for sure. For me, also, it was a first-time experience. We had gone for this uptime tier 4. So, so uh, first answering your question that uh, if I divide the things into two, one is the boxes, you know, the the, the chillers and the UPS, the digis, transformers, I can call them boxes. And then there's a low-side work, which is like your electrical distribution cables and bus trucks and then, you know, HVAC piping and then things like that. So in terms of boxes, uh, majority of the technology in India still gets imported. Schneider definitely is in India the number one player, you know, because the maybe also because with time they also have acquired a lot of companies. So almost they're playing in almost every single value chain of data center, right from, you know, providing UPSs to AHU machines to to chillers to providing BMS systems to panels to even racks, you know, uh, through APW president and all. So they are practically playing almost in every single value chain. And that is why. Also, and thanks to, I would say, very good quality product and very good local ecosystem. I think their local team presence is very robust. And uh, in general, I think the customer experience has been very good in dealing with them. And uh, and, and uh, so that is why Schneider, I think, is quite, quite big uh, in India. And uh, it, it applies as well to Jota as well. Uh, but other than Schneider, you have, uh, for example, Vertiv is there, which play into AHUs and, uh, and, uh, and, AHUs and uh, UPSs. You have Socomac. Uh, in terms of air conditioning, you get into Blue Star as well, for example, right? Uh, in terms of system integrators who are not uh, who are who are not providing any equipment per se, but who are system integrators who are doing the complete integration for you. People like Sterling Wilson are are there who are doing it. In terms of generator sets, it's mainly Cummins generator sets, for example. You know, whoever is providing and creating the full box, but Cummins is the engine which is very preferred in India. Uh, I already shared in UPSs, Schneider, Vertiv, Socomac. Uh, you know, uh, Delta is, uh, is is there. In terms of batteries, uh, earlier we used to go for VRLA, but in Yota, we sort of started an initiation and went for a very big placement of order for lithium-ion batteries. There, I had a mix of uh, LG, Samsung, Mitsubishi, all the three. I never wanted to depend on one vendor, so I went for all the three and deployed uh, lithium-ion batteries. In terms of BMS, uh, you have got historically Honeywell, you have got historically Siemens, you have got historically... Uh, these are the two who are prevalent quite a lot, but uh, and, and ABB is trying to come up big way. They have got a very good system. Uh, my final evaluation in Yota was ABB and Schneider. Uh, finally, I went with Schneider, not because the ABB system was not good, it was great, but uh, maybe Schneider was giving a complete end-to-end -end package and they could show a lot of live implementation case studies also. And uh, so that's why we went to Schneider. It has done, done great wonders. We, have, we might have integrated maybe a, more than a... 100,000 uh, small, small points of various uh, devices and sensors and all into my BMS. And uh, there's an AI element running on the top of that, which can proactively identify errors and, uh, you know, issues in machines. So so that is where I have gone for Schneider. But as I said, even ABB is equally good. And in terms of low side work, there are local vendors. You know, these this first thing I was talking about more of boxes where the technology mostly is coming from outside. Even for race flooring also, you've got, you know, uh, there are people like, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, so, uh, so there, there even race floor also mostly is imported from Italy. Uh, so, so there are good manufacturers in Italy, uh, although it's manufactured in India as well. And uh, the low side work is typically where there are a whole lot of local operators, you know, who will do your cabling. So, answering your question on that uh, bus duct, we are talking about custom manufacturing. Uh, so, there were many, many players who manufacture bus duct in India. They are mostly local players. I went for control and switch gear. I can actually give a, give a good recommendation for them clearly. Simple reason being, while there were four or five players who 
who make very good bus stops. In our case, because of uptime requirement, it was that either you create an individual civil container, you know, separate duct for each of my 34 bus ducts, which take power from my transformers and DGs to inside panels and all, which is impossible in a building. You cannot have 24 separate chambers for each for each bus duct because you have to do a fire containment. So the solution, which is like my inside story, I, I would not have divulged it, but inside story was the thought came in our mind and that actually clicked the whole thing was, can I make each individual bus duct a container in itself, right? Instead of creating a civil container around that, right? And that is where when we found the fire resistance of each of the bus duct which are available in the market was not more than a uh, couple of minutes. It was it was definitely, it, it, they say it's fire resistant. It is not fire, so-called fireproof practically. While the requirement of uptime was for up to two hours, even if your, you, your, your facility is under fire and the bus ducts are under fire, you can afford only one or two bus ducts to go under fire if you have N plus two, uh, you know, your, uh, your architecture. So you can afford only one or two bus ducts, but the bus ducts are traveling parallelly. You know, uh, they, they are like seven or eight bus ducts are hanging from the, uh, from the ceiling, for example. So how do you prevent uh, the bus duct from uh, I mean, how do you rather make the bus duct keep on running and conducting current as if nothing has happened? The only way was we actually got the bus duct custom manufactured that my bus duct today, if you put them under two hours of fire, all around there's a fire, but they will still keep on conducting current with no voltage drop as if nothing has happened. Now, that was very, very unique. That was very, very unique. That was very, very unique. And that is where, uh, you know, we had to ask our vendor. To, to 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 manufacture samples for us to do the factory testing we got it certified from the rating agencies also we have got youtube videos by the way where this bus duct is just lying like this and there's a fire all around and we are measuring the voltage on two sides and nothing is happening so there are many many such things which we have implemented i remember when uptime started our uh, you know certification process uh, i could not wait for the certificate to get over it takes like nine to ten months uh, and i started constructing i took a calculated risk that uh, Prime of SIV were very, very clear because my entire design is quite certified for uptime. So while, uh, uh, while, uh, uh, so while Prime of SIV knew what uptime will ask for, but at the same time, the actual, we had not gone through the process. So we took a risk that, okay, let me order all my equipment. Let me start uh, into my execution. Also, parallelly, my certification will start happening. You know, it was a big risk actually, because at some point of time, I had they said, no, this thing will not happen. I've already ordered and I've implemented it. It was a big problem. We took the risk. Uh, in the starting when uptime did the first evaluation and all their people came in it was 70 remarks on my design and we took like four or five cycles with them by that time it's 70 reduced to 40 reduced to maybe 12 or something finally it was three and during that entire process we might have adjusted our design many many times just to accommodate the request uh, you know just to make sure that when uptime was asking fault torrent that is what tier four means that fault tolerance really means that not even a single failure and the failure was not only a UPS or a chiller or a DG going down. They saw even to the extent that forget bus duct, even the support on which the bus duct is hanging from the ceiling. If that support breaks down for some reason or if that support is not able to sustain fire, will, that, uh, will you be able to you know, take measure for that as well? So it has gone to some very, very deep details and we were able to really go through that entire process and make our design and now my execution is all, all totally done as per the design we are just uh, waiting for uptime team to just uh, come to our facility in mid-january i can't call them in new year and christmas time so mid-january they're coming and that is the time when i'll also go for my tccf also right now i've got tcdd and uh, my construction certification will happen around mid-january Wow, it's great. The, the the king of data centers is leading. Um, yeah, Cash likes the term, the king of data centers. Well, huh? is known <laughs> as the data man of India. But maybe we should say the Maharaja of uh, data centers. <laughs> that's that first time, I think, uh, 2016 or somebody used this term, and I was like, uh, it is like flattered and embarrassed at the same time that Vara is yeah. There's so many people in the industry, and then people start repeating it, and you start enjoying it. So I'm no wish asking you not to to stop saying this. I'm more than happy. <laughs> anyway, these are like. Akira, this would be the this would be the title of the podcast. It will be uh, it has to be uptime plans. Audience, audience with the Maharaja of data centers. These are the things which embarrass you. These are things which literally scare you sometimes because at the end of the day, uh, you know, 
people start expecting that much i mean it's not only whether this this term or whether it is like the way uh, i would say a little yotta has been you know the way the projection has happened thankfully i mean i would say uh, i thank god all the time the way uh, you know not only we have done certain right things but also the way the market image of yotta has gone developed worldwide and in india a uh, lot of things possibly has gone right but it puts so much of responsibility on us that by default now everything which is getting expected from us in all aspects is that they will do everything right so sometimes it's scary uh, just trying to do things one by one trying to take step one step at one time just trying to make sure that we really deliver to 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 what what now people are expecting from us so, so you're like the Sachin Tendulkar of uh, a data centers then. You're, you're to data centers what Sachin is to, to cricket. My request is maybe you should stop using all this stuff because they are literally putting a lot of pressure on me. So please don't do that. <laughs> um, just maybe, maybe one term which has started going now is data center. Man, I'm very happy with that single term, but but nothing more than that. No, I, 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 I would say I would say it's great to see that that the people like yourself lead the data center industry in India, and um, I mean, you you definitely know what you're doing, and um, you you definitely bring the country forward, and I, I think you help supply it, um, infrastructure which is needed, um, and, and especially in India, which is like I mean, I've been there myself. Cash has been there himself, and a, probably a lot of our listeners come from India as well, by the way. So, and I mean, if you look at the sheer infrastructure usage of internet and data in India, I mean, you don't find this anywhere else in the world like this. We are so, crazy. Um, you guys have- country, We are crazy for that. <laughs> well, while I was researching this, I, I actually um, came across a fact that uh, Facebook has almost equal number of users in India in comparison to the US. And, you know, we all see data localization and consumer related data that skyrocket in data center demand. And, and look, you've obviously got a clearly highly experienced and DC design and execution team. But one of the thing, things I've, I've also found unique that I've been keeping an eye on on Yotta, uh, as well as the wholesale and re retail co-location markets, you've also started to roll out a range of enterprise IT solutions. So cloud, private cloud, federated cloud, IT security network, connectivity. So could, do you mind actually telling us what that would look like from a, an enterprise um, IT perspective? Yeah, sure. So maybe maybe uh, taking it from starting, uh, that was a very, very well thought out strategy. As I said, that I can broadly nowadays divide uh, the whole target segment of a data center into two, purely two only. One is the enterprise hyperscalers and the people of that type. You can count them on fingers. You know, you can count them 15, 20, 25, 30 people at best worldwide, right? And on the other side, you have got like thousands and thousands of enterprises of all scale. You know, they may be very large enterprises, the global MNCs and I would say domestic large enterprises or uh, small and medium enterprises to individuals also, you know. Uh, both these target segments have got their own dynamics. Hyperscalers, the type of, uh, you know, they will only take co-location. They will not take anything beyond co-location and some fiber ducts from you and, and of course, power and all this thing, right? But their quality demand, their scalability demand, everything will be just humongous. It will be humongous. Every year they'll keep on coming. And that is where this whole, as I said, original Jota started because I can then make use of all the strengths of Hirandani group, keep on delivering them the same capacity, which I keep on saying practically unlimited growth in the same site in terms of space and power. That is hyperscaler story. And you have to be in, and I'm obviously in there for, for a long haul and uh, taking all the steps in terms of space, in terms of the quality of power, the type of power, creating our own power generation, creating our own power distribution infrastructure, taking those licenses, all those things I'm doing to play that game. But the second game, which I think uh, uh, only, as I said in the starting, couple of the local players had done, you know, historically, that they also did not ignore the other equally big market, which is the enterprise market. While we all obviously keep on gushing that it's cloud, 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 and it looks like as if everybody is moving in cloud, that is not the fact. That might be true for born in the cloud startups and the new age companies who are directly coding on the cloud itself and making their applications on cloud. But the moment you see enterprises, they have got a historically, uh, you know, gone into bare metal. They have put their own captive data centers and got a huge investment of millions of dollars have gone into that. Uh, and even when they want to move to cloud, it is not like one step. Today I was in captive bare metal and tomorrow I'm totally into public cloud. It does not happen that. So it's always a gradual journey. First thing they want to do is to get rid of their captive data center and they say, okay, to start with, let me start co-locating with the data center operator so that I get rid of my issues like power and cooling and scalability and things like that. And once let's say their 
uh, hardware get into the refresh cycle, it becomes obsolete and they want to refresh. That is the time when they say, okay, okay, Mr. Colo operator, can you also start giving me private cloud, possibly on an OPEX model? Can you also shift some of my application on public cloud? Either if you are providing public cloud, you provide. Otherwise, also help me in porting some of my applications to Amazon or Azure or Google or things like that. And more importantly, you, Mr. Dent operator, you manage this whole show of data migration, telecom links migration, replatforming, you know, um, and then managing uh, this entire hybrid cloud piece. Now, and, and and then managing the IT on the running on the top of that, the operating systems, the databases, the middleware and security and storage and archival and all that thing. Now, according to me, and that is what the Yota strategy is, that this market is equally big, right? And uh, the dynamics are different. And if you have the strength and you have the experience of doing that, you should get into that. And both the markets are equally large containers and both of them can scale very big. So why to ignore one, right? So, so, so that is where my strategy is, Kash, that uh, um, broadly these numbers can change. But broadly, I expect 60% of my business to come from hyperscalers, selling them co-location, bulk co-location. And possibly 40% of my revenue will come from enterprises, where I'll sell them not only retail colo, but also a complete range of managed services, including cloud and uh, you know IT management and security and all that stuff. Uh, in the first case, I think the, the rule of the game are very pretty clear, big, big, big buildings, big power and all this stuff. In the second case, there's no limit to what all you can do. You might have heard of uh, me saying a few days back into one of the events where I'm saying my, my, my thought is practically everything as a service, you know, mm. uh, uh, and, and that is where I think the world is moving towards. Right. And fundamentally why I'm saying so is, is, is see as data center operator, I don't think we are the research and development company. I, I am very proud to say I am not an engineering company. I am not innovating those technologies which may be happening on AI or ML or uh, IoT or others. That is where there are a lot of much bigger companies and very bright startups who are doing a whole lot of work there. But what is happening is that whatever is coming out of their efforts, it's typically in the starting phase, typically people want to try out all those things, but to try out they have to either purchase it into a CapEx mode, uh, like some, some big influencer for supporting your AI rollout or whatever. Or even if somebody converts into OPEX, it becomes a long-term commitment that for next five years, you'll keep on paying me so much of money. It becomes a huge elephant. And when people are into trying out a model, those technologies, people might not want to commit, especially for startups and SMEs. So what can we do? And that is where my play possibly comes is I am taking those investments on myself. I am tying up with all those OEMs or those ISVs and software players or startup players or all those guys. I'm saying, guys, why don't we join hand? I bring in the infrastructure piece. I bring in the sales marketing and the GTM piece. You bring in your engineering strengths. We put up into my data center. We do POCs, pilots, everything. Orchestrate that on my portal so that users can come and start consuming them. And we do a smart metering and usage-based metering and all, and then deliver to everything to the customer in a usage model. So that is where we think that the moment you 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 come into that thought process, then sky's the limit because anything and everything today can be converted into as a usage model and delivered to customer, right? And uh, so, starting from basic cloud services which I have launched already, um, starting from becoming partners to other cloud operators which I've already done, I'm gradually getting into, for example, providing GPUs because GPUs is something which will be required to run whether it is rendering and gaming and some uh, you know workstations like AutoCAD type of workloads but also will be required for handling most of the AI ML type of workloads also, right? Uh, gradually, I'm tying up with software companies who are working in some very niche segment. There are certain software which are used by banking segment. RBI is asking all the banks to get into that type of softwares to implement for, you know, for, for reconciliations, for anti-money anti laundering and uh, things like that. But not all banks in India, besides those HDFCs of the world, you have got thousands of small, small banks who, which work at a city level. They cannot afford those costly technologies. How can I make those high-end technology available to them provided i give them on a per transaction model per customer per transaction model so that is where uh, you know we are attempting to 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 to, to bring all those technologies of other isvs and the oem which are not my technologies but tying up with them and delivering to the market on a as a service model well, which I think that's great. And um, I, I think that's also a great way of finishing to just show that the Maharaja basically serves everything possible. I, I, I feel if I would, if, I feel like if I was your customer, I would be king um, because you would basically be able to provide me with everything um, which is out there in the world and which is great because the, basically you become a one shop solution for any company that um, wants to work with you guys. So um, yeah, if you guys are thinking about 
going to India and um, getting yourself involved there, I don't know, I would say Sunil is the right guy to go to um, because he can guide. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, yeah, you, you're very modest and very humble, but um, you're an expert in your field. So it's, uh, that, that's all what this podcast is about, that we get the experts in the field um, to come and uh, speak. Um, yeah, and while, while we're speaking about it, um, normally what we do at the podcast is that we leave the last word with the guest and uh, the stage is all yours, Sonu. No, I would uh, say, uh, first of all, I would like to thank uh, Paul, you and Kash for arranging this to, I would say, to, 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 to actually even feel that I'm eligible enough to come on your podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I think life is a journey. Uh, started with Reliance for 10 years, was able to build something in NetMagic Entity, started again from a very, very small, humble beginnings. And again, a wide open plate was available. Market was growing crazily. I think a lot of success of all of us is coming because the market is growing big way. So those drivers are responsible enough to making people like us big. So, and of course, we were able to, I would say, reach up to that, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to that. We were able to identify opportunities and we were able to match up to that to some extent. Uh, Yota is again a new journey, uh, maybe a much, much bigger plate. Uh, while it obviously makes a whole lot of business sense for me as Yota Hirandani group as uh, you know as a group because it is a big growing business and we can definitely expect this to deliver great returns to us for next seven to ten years but more than I would say business sense for us for India as a country for Indian users as citizens I think this is something which is creating it is nation building at the end of the day because this is what India needs I think India needs, if we do some math and calculation, that what is the ratio of internet users versus data center capacity there in US or Europe or Singapore, possibly you will find India is one tenth of that at the moment, right? Simply because the population is very high, even the number of mobile users in India has crossed, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, practically all limits. I think it's about to exceed even China also. Uh, 75 crore plus mobile users, 100 crore plus, uh, sorry, 75 plus plus internet users and 100 crore plus uh, uh, plus uh, mo uh, mobile users. It is just humongous number. So, so far to delivering content to all these users in the fastest possible time without any downtime, you will be needing a huge data center infrastructure, and also to deliver fully managed as a service model services to. Uh, I would say a vast population of startups and SMEs in India. Um, you will be also needing not only data center, but also these, you know, technology service only as a service model. So, so I think it is like meeting everybody's objective. Uh, uh, my own objective as a business person, uh, the country's objective of growing digitization in the country. So I think it is, it is great, good, exciting times. Not many sectors of the, uh, of the economy are, as fortunate that uh, in good times they grow and bad times like COVID also they grow. Data center and cloud is one such sector. So we are very, very lucky to be witnessing this growth. And I'm just hoping and just praying to God that we are able to match up to all these expectations. Thank you very much, Suno. And uh, uh, Cash, we can't hear you, unfortunately. Right? Oh, sorry, I was just saying eloquently put and uh, thank you, Suno. And a, a happy new year. And uh, you just had Diwali, so um, backwarded happy Diwali. Thank and, you. Um, and happy happy Thanksgiving belated. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And I'm wishing you a very, very happy new year. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Thank you so much, Sanal. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Paul. Thank, Thank you, you, Gosh. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Take care. So we, we had a great audience with the Maharaja um, and um, we got some good insights on um, how the data center market in India works and what challenges they face. And, you know, Cash, the thing I really loved about it is India is, as always, ahead of times and they're already thinking now, okay, we're going to scale up, we're going to build more data centers and we need to think about renewable energy, we need to think about green IT. And this is all things which... Um, most of our listeners who are probably sitting in uh, countries where data centers are operating at that scale since 20 years, um, people are discussing it only now. So, um, yeah, a really brilliant guest you've brought there, Cash. Oh, absolutely. And if you look at India, what a transition, right, from emerging 
to develop digital economy. I think they're about to grow from 200 billion to like 1 trillion by 2025. But if you also have a look, they were really, really clever in the way that they looked at internet penetration and they went mobile first. So India actually has over a billion mobile phone users, 700 million internet subscribers. But if you look at the growth of digital commerce, digital entertainment, social media, India's mobile data consumption is off the charts. It's already the highest in the world and it's increasing. Interesting fact, Indian consumers are one of the biggest consumers of social media. In fact, Facebook has an equal number of users in India in comparison to the US. And then when you add data localization, data sovereignty, the necessity of storing all consumer-related data, e-governance, digitalization, data localization, I mean, it's absolutely blowing up. Um, Whenever you look, organizations are strategically positioned themselves. And Yotta, they manage data centers. They design, they build, they operate. They got hyperscale density data center parts. They're part of the Hirandani group, real estate, infrastructure, energy. They're investing $2 billion over the next seven years. Land acquisition, building construction, power generation, distribution. It's like an endless bill. I mean, and, then, it's like- and then when you go to it, when you just think that's the fate of company, they go, okay, now we're going to price enterprise IT solutions, which includes private cloud, federation cloud, IT management, IT security, network connectivity, and interdisciplinary metro fiber network. So there you go, Paul. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, it's an exciting time to be in the data center world. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, well, the Maharaja is like a mic drop, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. I mean, what can you say to Sunil? And yeah, of course, to the, to the listeners and the readers out there, if you want to know anything about everything that's hot in data center world Asia, then I'm Kash Hassan on data center world. I do a weekly roundup. I'm not hard to find WhatsApp, Telegram. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Kasha San, reach out. I'm willing to talk to people. Yeah, and uh, of course, you have to check out uh, Cash does a weekly roundup for Tech Asia. So he gives you all the news that you need. So it's a definite, um, it's worth looking at it because it basically gives you everything. I, I to be honest, I'm a fan of your um, of your newsletter every week as well. I mean, it's the first thing that pops up on Saturday morning when I wake up over here on my thing and then I just read it with a cup of coffee and I know what's going on at your end. But um, yeah, we hope you guys subscribe. Um, Please be free to reach out to us and yeah, follow us. Thank you very much. And as Paul likes to say, stay positive, test negative. Cheers. Bye. (laughs) See ya.